Lisa likes the window seat at night, the lights below that tell her she's nearly home. Then there's the lights she can't see, the runway lights we power to bring her plane safely into land. And because at Energia we also power all of Ireland's streetlights, Lisa's taxi home is that bit safer too. And no prizes for guessing who powers her house. Welcome home, Lisa. Energia, the power behind your power. Welcome to another edition of the Dynasty Blueprint Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan McDowell. I'm joined tonight by Matt Williamson. Matt, how are you tonight? I'm great, bud. Fighting a little bit of a cold, but I'm playing through it. We haven't been on for a little while. I'm excited to talk combine, and there's some other good things to chat about. Yeah, it feels like a while since we've been on. A lot has happened in the NFL world, namely the combine last weekend. We'll get to that in a few minutes. But before then, we do have some some news this week already. Uh, a couple quarterbacks are in the news, so we're going to jump right into that. The Philadelphia Eagles have re-signed Sam Bradford, uh, who they acquired in trade last offseason. Uh, he was set to be a free agent, and they have signed him to a, a, a two-year contract. And also in quarterback news, we're going to pair these together, the Washington Redskins in the same NFC East as the Eagles have put the transition tag on their quarterback, Kirk Cousins. So, Matt, I know you stirred the pot a little bit today on Twitter, uh, mentioning these two quarterbacks that were in the news. You you already shared your opinion with, uh, I think you, you prefer Bradford from an NFL perspective. I do. And first of all, you know, from an NFL perspective, I approve of both these moves by the team. You know, I mean, Cousins had about a 10-game stretch there where he played very, very well. But before that, I mean, we went back and talked about it on Twitter. He's basically the most turnover-prone quarterback in the history of the game before the 10-game stretch. So all of this is a small sample size, of course, but I'm not jumping on his train right now. You know, So I think Washington, to overpay him for one year, hope he continues down the path that, it, that we've seen of late, is smart. And I mean, we're not going to give him a four-year deal, a five-year deal, be married to him. And it's his job. Pretty much the same thing is true with the Eagles too, except it's a new coaching staff. I mean, I, I think, you know, you bring in Peterson, who's an Andy Reid disciple. I think that they want an Alex Smith type player. You know, I mean, they, they went in and invested in tight ends and offensive linemen of their own before this. They're going to a 4-3. I think they're going to be a very heavy run first team. And have a quarterback that manages the game. And I'm not saying Sam Bradford's Alex Smith, but unlike Cousins, he, re he values the football a lot more. And you could say that's a negative on him and Smith, that you know they don't take enough risks. But I do think that's exactly what the Eagles and Peterson are going to want from their quarterback position. And you mentioned I stirred the pot. My man Matthew Barry over from ESPN said something – he's a huge Skins fan. He said something along the lines of, well, you Redskins, us Redskins fans thought we had it bad, but at least we didn't go in on Bradford. And I wrote back and I said, I would rather have Bradford for NFL for NFL reasons. I mean, maybe not for fantasy because Washington has a lot better weapons. But my reasoning was fewer turnovers. I think he's a much better natural passer. I mean, that, there is a reason he went first overall. And he's a much better deep thrower. And I'm not that Cousins is bad in that regard, but Cousins also got a lot more help from – Deshaun Jackson, Jordan Reed. He had a lot more weapons that, than the Eagles did last year. And contrary to popular belief, Sam Bradford, you know, the second half of the season played very well and was not the problem in Philadelphia. Yeah, so you mentioned approving of both of these moves from an NFL perspective. And, and obviously it's such a quarterback league, quarterback-driven league, and not every team has a, you know, quote-unquote franchise quarterback. I don't think either one of these guys fit that bill. Right. But there's nobody better out there either. And, you know, probably including these this rookie class that that we got to see a little bit at the combine. 
from a dynasty pers perspective, both of these moves are pretty ir irrelevant to me. I, I don't want either one of these guys. You know, Cousins showed a little bit last year, obviously had a good year, a really good year. But I, I still don't want him as my dynasty quarterback. Probably don't even want him as my as my backup quarterback and unless he's still dirt cheap. Do you value either one of these guys from a dynasty perspective? No, and, and we've talked about it. I mean, I owned Cousins in two of the five, now six. That's a little precursor what's coming up. Leagues I'm in, and I dumped him at one point for 2-3, and I think the second time I traded him for like 2-6 and was thrilled to do it. No, no, the second time I think I traded him for two-thirds, whatever. But I got picks in return for Cousins and was thrilled to do it at the time. Uh, he wasn't in my two deep, nor did I think he nor do I want him to be. But Bradford, before today, I had had a few conversations on the trade wire, and the owner happened to have Bradford. It wasn't like I was targeting him, but I was like, hey, why don't you throw in Bradford? You know, because I thought his stock was about as low as it could go, that he might turn into slightly better prospect a week or two from that, you know, once he signed somewhere, which I thought would be Philadelphia. And I think this move boosts his stock just a little, you know, where before nobody knew where he would go. And I don't think there are major ramifications, except for now. We've, we've heard a little bit of rumblings that Peyton Manning might not retire. I don't think he's going back to Denver. But really, the only other free agent that anybody would have any interest in, I would assume, is Brock Osweiler. Even though RG3 is probably trading teams. Colin Kaepernick has talked about how he wants to trade. I wrote an article about that. I think he's a little crazy. But, I mean, if you're Cleveland or especially Houston, would you consider – breaking the bank for Osweiler now? I mean, I personally wouldn't, but he's the only one left. Right. It really is going to be an ugly market. And, you know, there just aren't enough quarterbacks to go around. So some of these teams do desperate things. And I, I do respect the Redskins for not not giving in, not giving a, a huge money to Cousins after, you know, one good season, maybe not even one one full season. Yeah. At, at that high level of play. So and, I like the I like the idea of tagging him. And you said it best. I mean, it's easy to sit here and say as a Washington or Philadelphia fan, oh, I don't want Cousins. I don't want Bradford. Well, Tom Brady's not available. You know, I mean, Cam Newton's not a free agent this year. I mean, who would you like to be your quarterback? Exactly. There, there just aren't enough answers, and that's why we continue to see teams missing the playoffs year in and year out. We did have a few bits of uh, other news, uh, mostly on the defensive side of the ball. I wanted to get your thoughts on those as well, Matt. Uh, the Buffalo Bills, who had a really strong defense under Rex Ryan this past year, have uh, released Mario Williams. I'm thinking I'm, I'm not an IDP guy when it comes to fantasy football, don't know a ton about the defensive side of the ball or the specific players, but he's got to be, he's, he's going to have a, a lot of suitors, right? Maybe. I mean, yes and no. I mean, we saw this coming. Him and Rex never really got along, you know, at this stage of his career, he is not to drop into coverage in any way, shape or form, even though he used to be a three, four outside linebacker. I wrote an article for this and you can find it on my timeline that I think he really has to be, a 4-3 left defensive end, you know, and maybe bump inside at this stage as a pass rusher. He's not what he used to be, but he's still, you know, he's still pretty good against the run. I mean, so he's not going to be like a Freeney or a Jared Allen where late in his career, we're just going to use him to rush the passer. Although he still might have that in him. I mean, he was first overall pick. He's got a lot of ability. A couple teams I thought should, you know, knock on the door for him. The Giants, they, they don't have, both their, both their starting defensive ends are free agents. It's a Dallas type of move. You know, Hardy's going to be gone. Maybe Williams can coach up Gregory a little bit. The Bucks were another team. And then the last one is kind of like what I mentioned with Jared Allen, Carolina. And if you remember, he went to NC State. He's from that area of the country. You know, maybe he'd love to go join the Panthers as part of that defensive line, defensive end rotation. Hmm. So some, others, some other players who got the tag this week, uh, Von Miller, no surprise, from Denver. Uh, we knew if 
we knew he would get that tag if uh, that franchise tag if they could not come to a long-term agreement and, and that's what happened josh norman got the tag from carolina and, and then cordy glenn as well so uh, any quick thoughts on any of those players really no surprises i don't think no there's no surprises you know i, I didn't know if olivier vernon would get it or not he did you know makes sense uh, you know it, it, justin tucker got it. he's a kicker big deal so no i mean there was nothing that shakes the fantasy or NFL landscape too much, but it's just kind of the precursor that next year, you know, next week at this time, it's going to be frenzy. I mean, it's going to be, as soon as that, that bell hits, it's madness. And that's like my favorite time of the year. Yeah. I can't wait to talk about that a little bit more um, in an upcoming episode. And then of course the, the other player we didn't mention was Alshon Jeffrey who got the tag from the bears uh, several days ago. So that was, that was another easy decision. There was actually, I think some rumors that he would hit the free agent market, which just made no sense at all. And and of course Chicago is not going to let that happen. They'll, they'll lock him up for at least one year and and hope to get a long-term deal done with him at some point. Right. I mean, the only shocking one that happened really was Tremaine Johnson, the corner for the Rams. They just cleared out a bunch of money cutting Long and Laurinaitis and Cook. And he's a good, young, big corner. So you know, they're probably overpaying for him, but they didn't want to lose him and Janoris Jenkins, who's also a free agent. But again, that doesn't change things from where we sit at all. Well, let's move over to the NFL Combine. I already mentioned that. And of course, that took place this past weekend um, over in Indianapolis, as it does every year. It seems like every year there there is a big story that comes from the combine, and this may be the exception. It was it was kind of a ho hum weekend, you know. The the wide receivers were slow overall. There were no you know just amazing performances, nothing near record breaking or anything like that. There were a few players though who I think improved their stock, and if not their NFL draft stock, at least their dynasty football stock so let's start with some of the running backs that caught your eye yeah and you mentioned that there wasn't a big story and you're 100 right i mean and to me that kind of was the story you know that boy these guys are slower than we think you know defensive backs wide receivers i watched i don't know how much you watched or if you watched any of the defensive or offensive lineman guys or any of those but i watched every second of the coverage and i'm starting to study the numbers now and, you know, the, the experts that knew more about these guys than I did were shocked at some of the times. And a lot of them were, you know, the second group of wide receivers who had already done their their verts and their broad jumps. And there was talk of, you know, maybe these guys have been on the field too long. They're no, no, no longer loose. I think there's some logic to that. It seemed almost like a slow track because everybody was shocked at the, the, the high times in the 40s. But that's also one of the nice things about it is they all run on the same track. So, and maybe you don't, you know, look at it against other years, but you can still look at it against. Boy, all these running backs all ran the same day. You know, let's see what they did. And one last story that I think is the big one that's again very non-fantasy related is Notre Dame's Jalen Smith. I mean, it sounds like his career's in danger, potential nerve damage, and man, I mean, he's like a top five, top ten overall player as a linebacker. It would be a real shame if he, you know, it turns into Marcus Latimer. Yeah, that's that's just a terrible story, you know, that that he injured that in that that bowl game. And, you know, you hate to call any bowl games meaningless because that's what college teams play for throughout the season. You know, uh, top competitors like that, it's it's not like they're going to sit out that game looking towards the future. But it's just such an unfortunate event. So hopefully, you know, things hopefully things go well for him. He can overcome these odds and and he can get back on the field and make an impact. Yeah, and in his corner, at least if people don't know this, there's a handful of guys that had medical issues this weekend that'll get called back to Indianapolis for a recheck, and hopefully he's in better shape then. He's going to be in that group for sure. Okay, that's interesting. So let's look at some of the running backs. Um, Coming into the weekend, Ezekiel Elliott was the hands-down running back one for dynasty purposes, and and I think from NFL teams' perspective as well. I don't think anything changed this weekend. Uh, Elliot was was impressive uh, overall in in the drills that he performed, um, but there were some some other running backs who definitely put their name on the radar. Uh, of course, Derrick Henry was a guy we all know about already, the Heisman winner, but he seemed to be a player that 
a large number of dynasty owners had already decided they wanted to stay away from. Uh, and then he, he weighs in at, at these massive numbers. You know, I think he was almost six, three, nearly 250 pounds automatically drew some Brandon Jacobs comparisons just due to his size alone. But I don't see Jacobs. I don't see Jacobs game when I, when I watch Derrick Henry, you know, he, he may just be a guy who it's hard for us to find a comparison to him. Yeah, he's fast. <laughs> you know, I mean, he's big, he's tall, he's fast. Uh, you know, and he was much of the talk. But, you know, I, I also think that the layman looking at numbers are going to say, like you said, he's 6'3", 247, and ran a 4'5", 4, 4. I mean, wow. You know, you get this guy in open field, and he's going to run over safety and take it 80 yards. And he might. But his shuttles, his three cones, all his change of direction drills were very poor. And that's exactly who he is to me. So if he goes to a place like Dallas, you're always going to bring up Dallas, that there's a big hole and he hits it, he's going to be dangerous. But he's not Barry Sanders. I mean, he's not going to make space for himself, and there's a lot of body there to hit. And then Elliot, you mentioned, and I wanted to bring him up just because I think his stock hasn't changed. And the more I do homework on these rookies, I think he's starting to separate himself as the clear 1-1 for me. I mean, I don't think he's girly. And those that know me, I mean, will say I always will build my team around receiver over running back. But these past two years, I've said Gurley and now Elliott are the 1-1. One, one. And not that he was awesome at the Combine. You know, his jumps weren't wonderful. But he didn't do anything to hurt himself. Yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, it, it's kind of been Elliott versus Treadwell for that 1-1 one, one or 1-2 one, spot, similar to what we saw last year with Cooper and Gurley. And, you know, like you, I've, I'm – I've been a wide receiver guy for quite a while. I had the 1.01 in one league last year, and I took Gurley. And I've all, I've said for months that that Treadwell's my choice at the 1.1, but I think I agree. I'm I'm starting to kind of sway towards Elliott as well. It's it's really close between those two for me. And Treadwell didn't run a 40, and maybe at his pro day he blows our doors off, and you know that's the last thing everyone remembers. But, man, Elliott's pretty safe. And, you know, I've heard people in the business saying, don't be shocked if he goes in the top 10 overall. Right, exactly. Um, let's go back to Henry for just a second. From a dynasty's perspective, where are you putting Henry? You know, leading up to the combine, he's been in that deep second tier going anywhere from 1.03 to late in the first round. So if if you're drafting today – where are you putting Henry in a dynasty rookie draft? Yeah, I don't have an order, but I bet there's many listeners or people in the business that now think after the combine that he's the clear one, three. And I certainly don't agree with that uh, landing spot. Like we mentioned, we have a ton to do with it. I can't say that he's even my second running back. And again, I still have a lot more to do. Kenneth Dixon's pretty impressive to me. Um, Jordan Howard's a pretty good player. I don't have an order. You know, I mean, you caught me off guard there. I'm not quite ready for that, to be honest. But I still think he's probably overvalued. I mean, a couple of these receivers had a pretty good combine, although the receiver combine overall was bleh. And that's kind of what I thought all along of this class. But there was, you know, some guys that I thought stepped up. I, I don't think Henry's 1-3 or 1-4. Do you? No, he still wouldn't be. He still wouldn't be that high for me. I think with some of the disappointing combine from combine performances from the receivers, like you mentioned, you know, maybe he's, maybe he's one six or one seven. That kind of seems like the ceiling for him at this point until we, until we see more, until we see some pro day, or uh, of course, until we know where he'll actually be playing. If the he's guy, Dallas's second round pick though, do you think he's a consensus one three? I mean, best case scenario. I think, uh, yeah, I think he would probably be the favorite to be yeah. the one three, and that's screaming the trade out of there for me. Right, I think I, I do think mentioning the consensus one three. I think after the combine, the consensus one three, and, and maybe to a lot of people, the player who's pushing into that Elliott Treadwell tier is the receiver Josh Dotson. He had a, had a great combine especially compared to some of these others, you know, Treadwell obviously didn't run. Uh, a lot of the guys ran a lot slower than we, we expected them to even, even, you know, Tyler Boyd didn't put up the number. Some were hoping um, 
really just just overall, as we said, the, the wide receivers were slow, but Dotson was was one of the stars. So is he your one three currently? If if you're, I know you said you don't quite have an order yet, but is he up there for you? Yeah, he is, and he was somebody I was giving strong consideration to. Anyways, you know, speed was the concern with the guy. He's six two. He's over two hundred pounds. He ran a four five flat. You know, while a lot of his contemporaries were running bad times. You know, that's a great time for what the the game that he plays. But his jumps were unbelievable. I mean, he had a forty one inch vertical. I mean, he's a go up and get it kind of receiver, and the numbers bared that out. And you know, people you know that listen to us will realize we don't live on combine numbers, but there's something to there's something there. I mean, there's a reason people stock change this time of year, and his should go up. And the other two that I thought helped themselves quite a bit, and I'm not saying I love them, but are Will Fuller and Sterling Shepard, and and I also think Braxton Miller did reasonably well too. You know, Boyd was kind of middle of the road, didn't hurt himself, didn't help himself, but I think those guys' numbers have people getting a little more excited about them too. Yeah, I think Boyd's probably been viewed as the favorite for 1-3 for, for quite a while uh, leading up to the combine. And we actually did a mock draft uh, immediately following the combine. In fact, it wasn't even over. I think we started that Saturday evening. And Boyd fell to the 8 or 9 pick overall. And and that's just one draft. It's a mock draft. So, you know, it doesn't mean too much. But, but he definitely moved closer to um, – the middle or bottom of that second tier than than he did closer to to Treadwell or Elliot. Yeah, and and no one ever thought he'd be a great tester. And those couple guys that I mentioned that were in his same tier tested you know better than he did. Corey Coleman didn't run, but he jumped really well. So you know he came in at 194 pounds. That was probably a little bigger than 5'11 that people thought on him that he's not a munchkin. You know Will Fuller. I, I, he doesn't change my mind, though. I mean, I know he went through the gauntlet and didn't drop anything. So, oh, his hands are fine. You watch the tape, though. I mean, he has drops left and right. You know, he was the best 40 guy, but I would have been disappointed if he wasn't. You know, like, I don't feel like I learned anything new about Will Fuller. Uh, I still think he's closer to Teddy Ginn than he is to Deshaun Jackson. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, Fuller had to run fast. That's that's, that's his does. game. Yeah, exactly. That's his game. And and like you said, if he didn't, it would have would have been an upset. So, you know, the the drills were were solid. Um, but he's got a long way to go. He's he's uh, still like a late first rounder for me in rookie drafts. Hey, question for you about Shepard. You know, he's a smaller guy. He's five ten, one ninety four, but he's not a munchkin. His jumps were phenomenal. I would imagine you're more familiar with him than I am. I, I know a lot of people think of him as a slot, but do you think he can be more than that? Uh, I don't know. You know, he got a lot of comparisons to Randall Cobb um, hmm. during the combine coverage, and I don't know if he's Cobb. As as far as a fantasy fantasy perspective, I don't know if he has to be more than a slot guy. True. You know, he, he does a little bit of everything. Um, he's a guy I had uh, following college football and and doing some some developmental drafts where I get to, where we get to draft college players uh, before they get to the NFL. He was a guy I've just completely overlooked for for a couple of years now, and and not to say I wasn't familiar with his you know with him or his game, I I just really never given him a chance and he won me over this year in a major way. So I'm pretty high on Shepard. He's, he's near the top of that second tier I talked about. Um, he's a guy could, that could easily go one, three, one, four, one, five. No, I would think, I mean, I don't think anybody hopes, you know, claims he's going to be Antonio Brown though. Right. I mean, he, no, no, I don't think, oh, yeah. I don't, I don't see that, but okay. you know, still, a, but that's a fine. Solid, right. Yeah. Still a solid fantasy option. Um, I know there are a couple of running backs you wanted to mention who both had really impressive combines and um, kind of pushed their names up the boards potentially. Uh, what do you think about Keith Marshall from Georgia? Yeah, the, the, they are. There's two names that we talked about on the air. Marshall was one of them. And Daniel Lasco from Cal was the other. And frankly, I'd never heard their names before, before the combine, you know, but they, they blew it up. And for those dynasty owners out there that aren't familiar with them, I have a feeling you will be very soon. You know, Marshall, 5'11", 219, ran a 4-3-1. I mean, that's flying for a, a pretty big back. You know, his jumps weren't wonderful, but 
he's going to start to get attention. You're going to start to hear his name. He's a Georgia guy. Had a heart. I think injuries were a factor with him. Didn't see the field very much. But, oh, by the way, you know, Todd Gurley and Nick Chubb played in front of you. You know, I mean, you know, like when we used to recruit against the U, they would go into a kid's house and be like, hey, if you can – I know you're the best running back in all of Florida, and you got five years to come to the U, and you, if you're a starting running back, you'll be a first-round pick. And, yeah, that's true. And then they get to the U, and there's Clinton Portis and Willis McGahee, and it's like, oh, well, this is tough. So maybe there's some of that at Georgia as well. And I don't know much about this kid from Cal, but really impressive numbers. Yeah, I don't know quite as much about Lasco. I, I remember Marshall's freshman year. He was uh, he was just amazing. So – he uh, and I, I believe this is correct. He and Gurley came into Georgia the same year. They, I, I believe they were both freshmen together, and they both just had an awesome uh, freshman season. Given he was a big time recruit, right? I mean, he's yes, yeah, they were speed, yeah, both, yeah, both big time recruits. So I remember doing some Devi drafts the off season after that, and it was a real conversation. But uh, as far as who you know, did you do you want Marshall or do you want Gurley? And um, I had pretty high picks in a couple of different Debbie drafts. And I think I kind of did the coin flip. I took Gurley oh, wow. in one and I took Marshall in the other. So that's the conversation that, that he's been in um, in recent years, you know, him versus Gurley. So he's not, um, he's not a, a, you know, a guy who just came in and blew up the combine and, and, um, you know, has doesn't have any kind of track record. The injuries were an issue. You know, obviously, uh, he fell behind Gurley, who uh, is just an amazing talent. And, and then Chubb, kind of, kind of the same thing with Chubb, uh, as far as falling behind him and uh, due to injuries. So that's going to be the question with him: is can he stay stay healthy? Can he stay on the field? Yeah, I mean, but th- I would think this takes him from you know, seventh round undrafted to maybe fifth round or so. And maybe he's a third round rookie pick for us now. It may better, who knows? But I mean, I think he's a name people weren't talking about much like Lasko who, who ran really well, jumped extremely well that you need, I, I at least need to go back and do more homework on both players. Yeah, absolutely. There's luckily there's plenty of time for all of us to keep studying these guys over the next, uh, next few weeks. I got one more running back for you, and he didn't blow up the combine, but he did do very well. The one knock on him at the combine was small hands. He's a former receiver from Notre, at Notre Dame. Uh, CJ Pro, Procise, I mean, I think he has a lot of David Johnson-like qualities as, you know, receiver first, but big. Uh, he's kind of intriguing to me. Yeah, he's not a guy, even, even being at Notre Dame, which is on TV every weekend, he's not a guy I got to see too much. Um definitely one I want to spend some more time on. Yeah. But just, just seeing and reading some things from people I trust, I know he's, he's a favorite of, of many people um, in the, in the dynasty community. So he's based on what I'm seeing, at least he's definitely in the mix to be that running back three in a dynasty draft behind uh, Elliot and then potentially Henry uh, Dixon, of course, is in there as well. You know, and uh, two little notes on him. He's regarded as an outstanding special teams player, and that's kind of where he made his bones at Notre Dame. Teams are going to love that. I mean, just being in a war room, trust me, that's going to boost him around right there, and that means he won't be inactive on game day. And that, you know, and that's battle number one when you get to the NFL. No one's expecting him to come in and be Adrian Peterson from day one. But if you have a uniform on, at least you got a shot. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's good information as well. So we'll continue to talk about these incoming rookies. Uh, we'll have some guests on over the next few weeks to uh, share their insight as well. Right now, though, we're going to move over to an interesting topic, one that I don't think gets discussed too much, uh, and it's it's timely and relevant to Matt, at least. Um, dispersal drafts. So I don't think I've talked about this much yet on the show, but I am a dynasty commissioner of – a ton of different leagues and a great one. I must say, I might have just blown smoke up your ass. I mean, <laughs> you're a very good commissioner. I've been around some that are a little lackluster. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, so a few years ago, you know, one of the challenges for commissioners of dynasty leagues and, and there's a bunch, but one of them is filling these open teams. Sometimes we call them orphan teams in the off season. So for whatever reason, somebody has decided to leave the league. Maybe they, you know, they, 
just have a bad team or they uh, have too many leagues they're playing in. They don't want to, maybe it's a money issue for, for whatever reason, somebody has left the league. And it's a big commitment. I mean, for those of you that don't play dynasty, you can't just kind of half-ass it. I mean, you get trampled. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So a few years ago, what happened was I had a couple of different teams open in one of my leagues, and one of them was was a pretty strong team, a, a playoff contender, and the other was just a, a cellar dweller, you know, perennial terrible team. Um, so I start that process of trying to find some people to take over for these teams, and I actually found a couple of interested people at about the same time. And, you know, my my question was, how do I decide, you know, who gets what team? Obviously, they both want, they're both going to want that same team. What do I do? So the, the idea that, that um, I ended up using, and honestly, I can't even remember if this was something I came up with or something I'd seen. Oh, you got to take credit for it. <laughs> something I'd seen in another, something I'd seen in another league maybe. <laughs> but um, so we decided, I decided to do a dispersal draft. And basically the idea behind that is taking all the assets on those orphan teams. Including draft picks. Including draft picks as well. Putting them all in the pot and having the new owners draft from those from those players and picks so i think there's a lot of benefits to doing that if if you do have multiple open teams in a league the first one is just the situation i already described you don't have to decide you know who gets who gets the good team who gets the bad team um and then the second thing and i'm i want to talk about this with matt in a few minutes is those new owners get to put their stamp on the team you know you come in you're taking over a new uh, taking over team in an established league. It's it's tough to get the feel for the league and figure out who likes to trade and you know how how the other owners value specific players. That can be tough. So if you can come in and make that process any easier by, uh, like I said, putting your own your own stamp on the team, drafting the players that you want uh, from the ones that are available, then I think that's uh, I think that's going to be a better situation. Absolutely. And, and you didn't exactly lay this out, but you have these hyperactive leagues and I'm in hyperactive, a hyperactive four with you. And what was that? Two or three years ago, there was a three team dispersal and I was one of the ones and that was the first time I'd ever done that. And that was a blast. I remember I'd first pick in that draft and I took Calvin Johnson, which was the clear guy three years ago. And then I made a deal with you. I didn't even know you. And you gave me, no, I took AJ Green and I traded you AJ Green for Calvin Johnson and a little something else. And you know, it looks great for you now. And I, did, I, of course, traded Calvin Johnson for something else or whatever. But anyways, now you have this hyperactive two league. You know, Matt Waldman's in this league. And there's there's a lot of people in the business that know what they're talking about. And you put out an email, who wants it? And I decided to jump on it. So me and another guy, Grant, and I was hoping Grant knew a lot less than he did. <laughs> you know, I didn't know who Grant was. But Grant was pretty impressive in this draft. I thought I could pull a fast one or two, and I couldn't. So we had a dispersal. And... The other thing during the dispersal is if, say, you or Waldman or somebody else in the league had wanted a guy that didn't get picked yet, you could call me up and be like, hey, you know, draft this guy and then trade him to me. You know, it didn't happen in this draft because we did a dispersal draft in like an hour. I mean, we were super fast. It was fun yeah. and really efficient. And But we got the guys we wanted, and we both made a lot of moves since. Yeah, it, it was fun. And an, another reason, and we'll talk about this a little bit later more as well, uh, but another reason I really like the dispersal drafts is it just brings some activity to the league. Um, oh, absolutely. There's been a lot of trades outside of us too, since we got in here. Exactly. You know, it's February or March and, and people are still kind of catching their breath. Even, even these diehard dynasty owners still kind of recovering and, and analyzing what their team looks like right now, what, what moves they need to make going forward. But if you take a, a couple of new owners and throw them into the mix and, and, and those two, you know, those new owners are ready to make some moves, make some trades. It it almost forces activity from everyone in the league, which is always a benefit. Yeah, and there's a couple of reasons why. First of all, I don't know who the two old old owners were. Maybe they're wonderful people, but because they dropped out, my hunch is they weren't the most active guys in the league. So you get two guys that are super eager and are probably going to be two of the most active guys in the league. You know, your, your, your worst becomes first, so to speak, in that league in terms of activity. 
Then you take two teams and you throw them. And in this case, one team was good. One team was junk. So you take those two teams, throw them in a bag, shake them up. And then they come out as two different teams. All of a sudden they have different needs. They have different assets. People are asking you about new guys where, you know, they probably asked the owner before me, man, hey, I really want Doug Martin. And that guy wouldn't sell him for no matter what. Or, you know, I mean, it was set in his ways where this, I never, I, I kind of inherited some of these guys. This isn't what my team would look like if I had a, a true startup, but I still got to put my stamp on it. It needs a lot of work. So you mentioned you've done this, you've done these dispersal drafts now in, in Hyperactive 4 uh, and Hyperactive 2. But do you see any different strategy between a dispersal draft with two or three owners versus a a startup with you know with eleven other owners? For sure, because you know, like for quarterbacks and tight ends, you know, if, if Grant had taken a quarterback, I thought I could probably wait around till I get my quarterback. Or same thing with tight ends or. Uh, you know, you, you get a feel for how he's building his team a lot easier because you only have to analyze one foe as opposed to the other, you know, it, you know, to kind of t- tell what happened. There was two picks in every round of this upcoming draft. There was one, four, one, six, two, four, two, six, three, four, three, six, four, 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 six. And I end up with all of them. <laughs> you know, you have to use a dispersal draft pick to take a draft pick. Hope that's not too confusing. But that wasn't his intentions. He was a lot more win now than I was. And I think that was obvious from like round three on. Yeah, so so you mentioned it. You gave a little spoiler there. Let's go ahead and get into the actual draft. Um, I'm just going to kind of go through the draft round by round. And and you flipped a coin to see who went first, right? Or who yes. got choice. Yeah, exactly. So we we did a coin flip with just two owners. Matt won the coin flip. Wink, and, wink. Yeah, that, uh, yeah, it, sure. It was a coin flip, right? Exactly. Don't don't tell Grant. Yeah, um, no one will figure out. <laughs> Matt won the coin flip, and he opted for the very fir- for the first pick overall. Um, and we do use a serpentine or a snake draft. So Matt got the first pick. Grant, the other owner, got the second and the third pick, and then we just alternated from there. Maybe we should review the top five or six rounds because they'll go super quick. Yeah, we'll we'll do a few. So um, yeah. Matt got the first pick, as we said, and he took Odell Beckham, um, which I think is the easy pick. Um, Matt, probably not much commentary needed there. No, I mean, he's my number one player in Dynasty. Right. So, so easy call to take Beckham first overall. So but Grant- you'll see who Grant takes in these next two, who is I would have taken as well. That means I knew I wasn't going to get either one of them. You know, when I decide to take one, one, you got to realize who you're not getting too. Right. So Grant takes Des Bryant and Kevin White. So obviously a, a win now guy in, in Des Bryant, uh, a veteran who can be, could be the wide receiver one overall if he can stay healthy. So still, still a powerhouse fantasy player. And then Kevin White, kind of an unknown. I know a guy, I know he's a guy that you like. Many others like him as well. Trust him, even though he, did not step on the field as a as a rookie. I have my concerns about him, but Grant takes him with the third overall pick. Would he have been your pick? Um, I mean, Dez was easy. I would have taken White and Dez, but yeah, I probably would have taken Dez and uh, w- one of the one of the options that you took with your yeah. next two. You took Kelvin Benjamin and the one point oh four pick. I think I probably would have taken the one point oh four. Yeah, I, I can understand that. I would rather have White than 104, but you and I have had that conversation on here a lot. You know, but that also came into my reason of thinking, too, was it's not Beckham versus White and Dez. It's Beckham and Benjamin or 1-4 versus White and Dez. You know, I mean, I like this 4-5 spot a lot. Right, and and that kind of brings up, you know, thinking about would I have taken Kevin White? That brings up another one of the challenges. A lot of times, if you're a new owner in a league like this, you may not know, you know, you, know, you may not be familiar with other people in the league. So, you know, do I, would I take White and assume I could flip him in a trade? That, you know, there's some risk with that. And Grant did that as a spoiler alert. I didn't expect him to, but Grant did that a couple times in this draft where he took somebody that I was about to. I talked to him after, and he's like, yeah, I think I could just trade him for something else. 
So um, as you do so often, you, you're building your team around wide receivers and getting some draft picks in there as well. You've got Beckham, Benjamin, and White through the first three rounds. No, I Beckham, Benjamin, and the 1-4. I'm sorry, Beckham. Yeah, that's true. Beckham, Benjamin, and the 1.04. And so it's back to Grant for two more picks, and he goes with a pair of running backs. He took Doug Martin and Mark Ingram. Uh, any thoughts on those two or those two players you were hoping no, they made me happy. I, I was not going to – not that they're old, but I, I entered this draft thinking that I would not be a competitor this year. I I don't care if I have nothing at running back, and I take it on the chin this year. I want to be a competitor a year from now, give or take, with a young stable of running backs and picks – or young stable of wide receivers and picks. So I was happy those two went. Right. I, I agree. Just uh, avoiding running backs in general. But I learned a lot. You know, him taking those two, it's like, okay, he's going to want veterans. He's going to try to win now. Right. So he's he's he bypassed some draft picks to take the two running backs. And you took the 1.06, which was the other first-round pick available. And you also took Josh Gordon uh, with the 5.01 pick. So now through five rounds, Beckham, Benjamin, Gordon, and two first-rounders which I'm pretty happy with. And let's drive off the road just for a second because I promised Twitter we would do this. Josh Gordon to me, I get asked about him every day. What should I, I want to go get Josh Gordon. What should I offer? I have Josh Gordon. I want to hold somebody over the coals for him. What could I get for him? And I have no idea. You know, I think he's a really difficult guy to evaluate right now. I mean, I told people during the season, I gave up two thirds for him. I mean, that's stealing. That's not going to happen again. You know, but would you give, would you, let me set a price point at him. If you owned them, would you sell them for one ten, or if you didn't, would you offer one ten? I definitely would not sell him for one ten. I wouldn't either. Um, honestly, I'm not sure I would offer one ten either. That's that's one of those I may just totally avoid. Um, I, I think where he went in this, you know, he went after the one point oh four rookie pick was taken. Right. I think I think that's about right. You know, I think it would take a mid first or maybe a little bit higher to to get him in most leagues. You know, if if you've got if you've got Gordon on your team, you've sat on him for a year with no production, and now you know the the he's road right away. Right, exactly. You know, we're we're almost here. He it looks like he's going to be reinstated. We're They're assuming quarterback second overall and. Right, we're Good. we're we're assuming kind of pie in the sky. You know, this report came out earlier in the week that he um, he struggled during the the suspension and and went up to what two hundred fifty five pounds. I don't know if you saw that report. I did, but yeah, that's he wasn't playing. Right, <laughs> I mean, I don't bash him for that. <clears throat> but so, supposedly he's in great shape now. I mean, unless I can find a desperate owner, and I can't imagine why an owner would be desperate right now, then Gordon's Gordon is not—he's not a buy for me. But he's—he's—he's he's, he's not a sell either. I mean, if I can get the one-two or one-three, I'm selling him easily. Right. And um, I took him back to back with one-six. To me, that's kind of where he is. But I would rather have Gordon. I think. Right. Right. I wouldn't sell him for that. All right, so let's let's keep going. We'll do a, a few more picks here. So Grant's next up for two picks, and again, he's got, at this point, he has Des Bryant, he has Kevin White, and he has the pair of running backs, Martin and Ingram. So next he takes another running back, Jeremy Hill, and he also takes uh, Greg Olson. So, yeah, he's definitely trying to build that win-now team and getting some good pieces to do that. Also focusing heavily on... Um, on running backs. Right. And they're good players. I mean, I, I got no, no beef with his approach and I see what he's doing. It's very clear. We're building our teams differently. Um, I was shocked. He took Hill over the running back that I take next. Not that I love either, but I would have taken the guy that I kind of fell, fell on my lap that I didn't think I'd end up with. Right. So this, these next set of picks for you is I think where the, where the talent really drops off. So you get, you get Eddie Lacy with your next pick um, again, after he took Jeremy Hill, I, th I think most people still have Lacy even after his disappointing year ranked ahead of Hill, who, who also struggled this season. 
Um, I'd prefer Lacey as well. So I agree with you. I thought that was uh, in your favor. And then your other pick, you took the 2.04 rookie pick. So a, a mid second. And like I said, I think that's kind of where the, where the talent drops off. Uh, at this point, you've got Beckham, uh, Benjamin, 1416, Gordon, Lacey, and the 2-4. So you've got three draft picks, a bunch of wide receivers, and Eddie Lacey. And how are you feeling about your team at that point? Real good, but this is where I get burned. And not necessarily where I got burned, but I thought Lacey's is somebody I have to take at this point. And I've been shopping him since. I can live with him. You know, It's not like I hate having him on my team. He is going into a contract year. I mean, that's something no one talks about this guy. And when motivated, he's going to put up fantasy points. Um, but at this point, he's my only running back, and I didn't think I would you know, be loaded at running back anyways. But I took 2-4. You know, I'm going to take draft picks. But the two guys he took next, I thought I'd get one of them. You know, I was torn between 2-4 and the two picks he makes now. And I thought that a favorite of mine that people know about, I would get for sure because he took Olsen. I didn't expect him to go that route. So that was the one where I thought I kind of outsmarted myself a little bit. Right. I, I think he made a couple savvy picks with these next two. He takes uh, Clive Walford, which that's the guy is, I wanted. Yeah. Right. The tight end from Oakland. We talked about him when Jeff T. Fertiller was on the show. Um, you know, every all signs are pointing up for him to to be kind of a, a breakout tight end. And, and he's definitely a player to be buying in dynasties. I think his price is still pretty reasonable. I think you could easily get him for a mid second round pick. Um, which I is got him pick. for two four like two weeks ago in another league. So it shows that I valued Walford more than two four, and I do still. And I've been trying to make that trade since, but I just didn't expect him to take two tight ends in his first eight picks or whatever. Right. So that's where the strategy comes in with a two team draft. He already had Olson. You you took the risk that you could wait on Clive Walford. It didn't didn't go your way this time, but no. I think you're you know I, I do think you were. Th- your thinking was correct. Um, and then he also takes Marcus Mariota. There were a, a a large group. We'll talk about some more of the players that were available. There were a large group of solid, like high-end quarterback two range players available. Mariota was the one with, with the most value considering his, his age. So Wolford Mariota there adding to his team. And I think he's, he's building a, a good, strong team as well. Yeah, and that was worst case scenario for me. I mean, I was torn between two, four Mariota and Walford, and figured I'd probably not get one of those two, but I'd probably get Walford, and I got neither. Such is life. Yeah, so I don't, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I think that same strategy bit you again with the next set of picks. Um, and maybe I'm wrong with with who you were looking at. Next, you take Jalen Strong, the wide receiver out of Houston, and you take another mid second, the two point oh six. He comes back following those two and takes a pair of quarterbacks. So he's taking his second and third quarterback, Matthew Stafford, Andy Dalton. Were you hoping one of those guys fell to you? I didn't see that coming, that's for sure. You know, I mean, I didn't think he'd have three quarterbacks and two tight ends after, what, 10 picks. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and I can't say I even condone that strategy from where he sits. I, I wouldn't have done that. Um, I got, however, I think I used the quarterback that you're looking at and I'm not. The quarterback I ended up with, I think is better short term than any of his three, but I'm not built for the short term. Right. You end up with, with the next pick right after he takes the two, you take Carson Palmer. Cause I thought he might take four. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? At that point you, you know, it's kind of going off the rails. You, it's hard to predict what your opponent's going to do. So you've just got to grab grab Palmer while you can. Um, you also took Tevin Coleman, which I thought was a great value at that point. And then he actually, he actually did come back and take his fourth quarterback. He took Osweiler with his next pick. And, and you do have to mention too, that there's not a lot of talent sitting out there at this point either, you know? If- yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, we're mentioning Brock Osweiler in fantasy. He's, he's been dropped in a few of my leagues lately. So that's, yeah. that's kind of where we are. There were, there are a few other players, um, from that point on, you got... I got all the picks. I mean, I was happy to get those two thirds. Right. You got you got four more draft picks, two mid-thirds, two mid-fourths. Um, he took a shot on a couple of players who could turn in, into something. Bishop well, Sankey. One, uh, one of them stands out. Yeah, exactly. So Calvin, um, Calvin Johnson. Yeah. 
you take a couple of mid thirds and then he gambles on Calvin Johnson, which, you know, he took Calvin Johnson after Torrey Smith. He had already taken Torrey Smith. He takes Calvin Johnson after you take two mid thirds. I think that's about the, the spot where I would gamble. If, if in an established league, if I'm trading for Calvin Johnson, just with the hopes that he does play again, I think a mid third is the, is the range of pick I would give. Um, so I, I don't think, you know, I don't think you missed the boat with, with passing on, on Calvin Johnson there. No, but he would have been my next pick. I mean, he was one of the picks in this draft that when he went, I went, ah, shucks, you know, cause I would have taken him with the hopes of, I got a total rebuild here. The day that he announces he's coming back and playing one more year, I would have shopped him to all you guys in the league for the best pick I could get. And it would have been better than a mid third. Right. Uh, a few other picks that I like just later in the draft. Um, you took Stevie Johnson in the 15th round. Um, Grant took Lance Dunbar in the 17th. I think he could maybe, yeah. he could maybe do something. Uh, LeGarrette Blunt. Grant also took way late. I was surprised he fell that far. It, it looks like he's probably gone from New England, but he's been, you know, he's been a fantasy starter as, recently as, as right. recently as this past season. Um, I also like Brian Quick. He's somebody I really targeted a year ago, and he didn't live up to it, but he's a free agent. I think he might be a decent player for me. So that's that's how the dispersal draft went. Um, and, and as I said earlier, you know, drafts like this oftentimes can breathe some life into a league. Uh, Hyperactive 2 is is a good, solid league. Lots of active owners. You mentioned Matt Waldman and uh, Jeff T. Fertiller, who we had right. on a, a little while ago, is in this league. Sigmund Bloom is in this league. So uh, Chad Parsons is in this league. It's a it's a great league. But two new two new guys in the league is always going to, to spark something. So I, I was actually looking back at the past trades. And since we moved over to the new... Uh, 2016 My Fantasy League site. We had had three trades uh, leading up to the dispersal draft, which was uh, last Thursday. So since that time, in in what four or five days? Yeah, four or five days. Right. We've had six trades since you guys joined the league. So just that little spark. Um, and spark before we get into that, I just want to mention one last thing about this trade that you, people probably don't even think about was. Because I ended up with eight draft picks and he ended up with zero, there was a point in the dispersal draft where he said, my roster's full, so you get the last eight jokers, you know, which isn't exciting. But then, like, right after the next day, I cut, like, five of them, and I picked up Albert Wilson and Luke Wilson and Aaron Murray, some guys I, you know, I sort of kind of like. I mean, I, I at least got to do a little bit. I enjoyed Bell. Maybe he gets picked up. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I made some free agent moves just to get rid of the junk. So, so drafting those picks instead of players gave you some roster flexibility right off the bat. Right. And right. He, and he could certainly cut guys of all his roster too, but you know, at least give me the option to go add people from the pool. All right. So the, the dynasty trades that we're going to take a look at to wrap up our show tonight are actually the ones that you've made in this league since you, let me have it. Since you have, um, drafted this new team you've made two trades both of them pretty significant i think uh in the first one you gave the 1.06 the 4.04 and a future third rounder 2017 third rounder and you acquired dante moncrief so uh just share your thinking on that one at that point and it's still you know the same for me basically even before you know this was right before the combine I wasn't high on for th this draft. I'm trying to move my picks. I did tell myself I would not move any 17s, but it's a third. You know, at some point I'll, I'll recoup that or get something better for the 17 draft. That's like my next goal right now is to add 17 picks. But I love Moncrief. I mean, Moncrief to me is somewhat of a buy low. I would rather have him than 1-6. I was able to hold on to 1-4 in the deal. I, I could see people give me a hard time. And when I put it on Twitter, people said, boy, you must really love Moncrief. But I really like Luck, and I really like Moncrief. I think they're going to throw a lot, and he's a bird in the hand. And he's not old. No, no, certainly not old. Um, he's probably not a player I'm targeting in trade, but I think that's that's fair value. You know, that's we've talked about that deep second tier of rookies. Um, we've also talked about on previous shows that 
one of these rookies is going to step up and and make that 1.03 pick very valuable. You know, Josh Dotson is already doing it. Maybe Derrick Henry does it if he lands in the Dallas or or lands in just the perfect spot. Um, I don't think that's going to happen with four players. You know, I don't think that 1.06 is suddenly going to become a pick that everybody in your league values very highly. So because of that, I, I like that deal for you, uh, even though Moncrief is not a guy I'm, I'm going out and, and looking to buy. Yeah, and now I can look at my team and say, okay, I got Beckham, Benjamin, Gordon, Moncrief as my core. I can live with that. I mean, as an expansion team that I had no hopes for, that's a pretty good core. All right, so your second deal, we've we've talked about both uh, the amount of picks you had in this year's draft. You came out of the dispersal draft with eight draft picks in, in this uh, this upcoming rookie draft. You used some of those to go out and get a running back. You traded the 2.04, the 2.06, and the 3.04 for Carlos Hyde. And I originally offered him the two seconds for Hyde, thinking I'd get a reject. And then he wrote me back on that one and I ran and hit accept as fast as I could. And again, it's a bird in the hand situation, not an old player. I pretty much like his situation. It could go horribly. You know, I mean, <laughs> the Niners are a bad team, but I love the talent. I don't think they're going to bring in a major competitor for him. And I'm still planning on dealing Lacey. So that was in, in my thinking as well. So I, I've said on here that Hyde is not a guy I'm I'm a really big fan of. I'm in general I'm trying to avoid that San Francisco offense. At the same time, I, you know, you you gave three picks um, outside of the top fifteen. I think it, it's probably worth it at that point. Um, the two point oh four. I don't know who you get there. You know, maybe you get Rashard Higgins with one of those picks. So yeah, like you said, a bird in the hand. I can see making that deal, especially since you pretty much just had Lacey um, after the dispersal. Yeah, and I didn't, you know, I didn't think it was a slam dunk. I mean, I, I didn't hesitate long, but when I put it on Twitter, as I do with all my trades, 99% of my followers are like, man, you got to steal. That's a great pickup. That's a great pickup. And I will say when you put a trade out there, my, my followers probably give me the benefit of the doubt more than the other guy. But it was a landslide that they thought I won that one. All right. Well, I'm going to throw this at you. Um, your your uh, competitor there, Grant, has also made two trades uh, since the dispersal draft. So I want to get your thoughts on these as well. Um, we talked about his picks of Mariota and Clive Walford that kind of hurt your strategy a little bit. He actually traded both of those guys in the same trade, trades Mariota and Walford. He gets Latavius Murray, Tavon Austin, and Charles Clay. I don't um, like it at all for him. Yeah, I, I don't either. Um, you know, we like Murray. I think we've said on here before that Murray's a guy we don't really trust. Uh, um, you know, Elliot Ezekiel Elliott has been mocked there, potentially going to Oakland. And, and even if they don't get him, maybe you know they. I think they have to sign somebody else. Um, I'm not a big Tavon Austin fan at all. He he had a really impressive year last year, but I don't think that's. The type of fantasy scoring he does is not. You don't want to start him. Ever. Right, right. You can't count on it week to week. Um, you know, Mariota's already a top 10 dynasty quarterback. Clive Walford, uh, with the tight end landscape, he might be close, being close to a top 10 tight end as well. He's um, in my top 10 for sure. Yeah. I don't know if I love that one for Grant. I love Walford. I really dislike Murray. And. I would consider, I mean, I know I could do better, but if I had Murray and he offered me Walford, I would consider it. So, yeah, I don't like this deal at all. Okay, and the other one he gave up, um, Mark Ingram and a future first-round pick, a 2017 first-round pick, and he acquired David Johnson. So Ingram and a future first for David Johnson. I don't like this either, although I've said Johnson is my running back three, and I love his situation. Um, but Ingram, we've, I think we've talked about him. If you go back and look, he's younger than you think. I guarantee everyone out there listening, Ingram's younger than you think, has less wear and tear on his body than you think at the NFL and college level. 
he's not about to hit the wall. I don't think he's dump him now while you still can. He's not Jonathan Stewart to me. I mean, I think Ingram is still a foundation piece, but 2017 first. I mean, those are delicious. Yeah, that's that's true. Uh, Jeff Miller, one of my uh, one of the guys that writes with me over at DLF. I saw I saw something he put out on Twitter um, last week comparing Ingram and Adrian Peterson. So obviously Ingram's much younger than Peterson, mm-hmm. but Jeff pointed out that he also outscored Peterson on a points per game basis last season. He's starting to catch the ball. You know, there's no sprawls there anymore. Right, and and yet people are still taking Peterson higher in in our dynasty mocks that we've been doing. So. You know, maybe Ingram's a guy that's actually undervalued right now. I think he is. I mean, I, I'm sure I have him ranked in my running back dynasty ranks higher than most people do because, again, I still think he has a lot in the tank. He's going to be a feature player in that offense. He's catching the ball a lot. All right. Well, that will do it for this edition of the Dynasty Blueprint. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and we'll be back next time. 